Hi, and welcome to the Mavericks Unlimited podcast. I'm your host, Christian Roy, and this is the place to be to get unstuck, unleash your superpowers, and create a world that works for all. On this podcast, we speak to Mavericks who inspire us. We aim to get the insight and wisdom from their story to help you get the clarity, courage, and conviction that you need to make your mark on the world. Our guest this week is Dory Clark. Dory is an adjunct professor at the Fuqua School of Business at Duke University, but is also an author and speaker who specializes in self-reinvention and helping others to make change in their lives. She's interviewed hundreds of successful entrepreneurs and professionals and distilled what makes them successful in her three best-selling books, Reinventing You, Stand Out, and Entrepreneurial You. I love Dory's super practical and pragmatic approach to business and self-reinvention. This interview is full of tips about how to give yourself more freedom, more security, and to really live up to your potential. So with that, let's just jump right in. So hi, Mavericks. Welcome to the Maverick podcast here, and it's Christian Roy, your host. And today we have a great guest for you. We have Dory Clark, who is the author of three best-selling books, a uh, business professor at some of the world's best schools, and just an all-round good human being. So hi, Dory. How are you today? I am great, Krish. Thanks for having me. Wonderful to have you here, and I'm so excited about this conversation. And what we're going to be talking about today, Mavericks, is if you want to know about reinvention, if you want to know about how to stand out and how to really kind of find that career freedom, we have the right person here for you. So, Dory, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey and how you came to where you're at right now? Yeah, absolutely. I actually... um, Got got my start as as we were discussing a little bit uh, before before we hit record. I uh, went to divinity school. I got a master's of theological studies awesome. from Harvard, and that that was my my first thing after undergrad. And I imagined that I would have a career in academia, but oftentimes in the modern economy, uh, things don't quite <laughs> unfold the way you want. Right, uh, right. So my my first lesson in reinvention, which ultimately led to my book, Reinventing You, was uh, I had applied to a number of doctoral programs after I finished my master's degree, and I didn't end up getting into any of them. So I wow. really had to recalibrate. So I uh, I became a journalist, which I thought was kind of a good a good compromise because it's still you know uh, writing and reading and you know mm-hmm. intellectual pursuit, uh, but then. The journalism industry collapsed. I ended up getting <laughs> laid off, um, and so you know it's all, all of these kind of incremental pivots. I uh, yeah. I had been a political reporter, so I then switched over into doing politics, and I became okay. a spokesperson on a couple of uh, big campaigns uh, in the U.S. I, I w- was the spokesperson for a governor's race and then for a presidential race. Uh, oh, unfortunately, really? wow. they both lost. <laughs> <laughs> so, Okay. Yeah, but finally, finally, I found I found my way to my uh, to my current career, and, and I've been a self employed uh, consultant for eleven years now, and I feel I feel very lucky to have uh, hit my stride and uh, and been able to to build a really great business that I love. But uh, but definitely one of the lessons there is that uh, it's not it's not necessarily the first thing you try that's going to be the one that that sticks. Right. And I, and I think that's a really big thing, isn't it? We have lots of people go to college, university, think 
that's what they're going to end up doing for the rest of their life or whatever. But it's not always that straightforward, is it? Yeah, absolutely. You've got to try, you've got to iterate. And in my new book, Entrepreneurial You, in fact, one of the one of the key lessons, I guess, that uh, that I impart through the stories of the 50 plus very successful entrepreneurs that I interviewed is that the foundation of entrepreneurial thinking, whether you're literally an entrepreneur or uh, or just want to think more entrepreneurially, it's it's not it's not so much the things that in the media we see as the surface of entrepreneurship, this kind of you know sexy Richard Branson style yeah. risk taking uh, that people imagine. Fundamentally, the entrepreneurial mindset is about being willing to try experiments, knowing that some of them are not going to work. And, and feeling okay about that and just treating everything as a pilot, treating everything as an experiment that you can learn from and rebound from. So, so on that then, because I think, you know, obviously a lot of people and a lot of our audience are very creative, are very much of that generative mindset where, you know, you put in a lot of energy, a lot of time and maybe a lot of commitment to, to something that might be an experiment, but it, as you say, it's hard to not not be attached and see as, see as an experiment. So how do you suggest people kind of get into that mindset of just treating things as experiments and kind of being okay with it if it doesn't work? Well, I think the, the real key here is that you are going to be way invested in something if you have put everything down on one bet. You know, I think the, the challenge is that a lot of times – People, you know, it's kind of the human condition, but but people seem to be wishing for magic bullets. You know, oh, this thing will fix it. This thing will take care of everything. And so they're liable to jump from one thing to another and and just risk a little too much or put too much hope and emphasis into mm. a particular outcome. And the, the key to really being smart about it is to not place bets that you can't afford to lose. You know, if if we if we were making a wager on something and I said, OK, Krish, well, well, let's you know, let's put down 10 bucks yeah. and you lose. You're going to be like, oh, whatever. That's too bad. If if we put down a bet and I say, well, you know what, for this bet, let's make it one hundred thousand dollars. You right. you would be ready to jump off a bridge if you lost. And that's the place that a lot of people find themselves. I, I mm. think that. And the secret is we have to get get used to placing a lot more ten dollar bets, and then if it, if you know some of them don't work, fine. The ones that do work, you place a twenty dollar bet, you place a hundred dollar bet, and then you move up. You lean into what's working, and in a really practical sense, you know how does this play out? I'll give you an example from my yeah. own life. Um, some so the the first way that I tried to approach writing a book, which was a goal of mine. It was something that I had wanted to do for a long time. The first way that I tried to approach it was the, you know, let's place a hundred thousand dollar bet kind of right. approach. Um, I, I wrote, I actually wrote multiple uh, book proposals and, you know, book proposal is pretty substantial. This is like a 30, 40 page document. You spend a lot right. of time researching it. And I, I just was like, one of these is going to work. And, and I, I invested all this in ideas that I thought were great ideas but I hadn't tested them with other people. I hadn't, right. I just had no data, you know, it was like a hunch. And sometimes that pans out, but a lot of times it doesn't because you, you just have no grounding for it. Um, none of those worked. Literally every single one got turned down, 
But what ultimately led to me getting my first book deal uh, for my first book, Reinventing You, was that I had started blogging and I I did some blogs for the Harvard Business Review. And one of them Mm. was a piece called How to Reinvent Your Personal Brand. And that became a popular post. And it was popular enough, in fact, that they asked me if I would turn it from a 700-word blog post to about a 2,000 or 2,500-word article in the magazine. Right. And when it came out in the magazine then, I got approached. The first week it came out, I got approached by three different literary agents who were like, wow. hey, thought about turning this into a book. And, you know, meanwhile, the year before, I had just, you know, I had just been – uh, turned down for, for, for every book idea that I had. And I thought, oh, wow, this is what it feels like when things are actually working, like they come to you. <laughs> right, right, right. How amazing. How That's amazing. Great. And so the blog posts in many ways were, were little bets. Uh, you know, it, it takes whatever, an hour, two hours to write a blog post as compared to like weeks and months to write a book proposal. Right. It gives you enough data to be able to say, oh, this is what people are interested in, not this other thing, which you would never have the ability to know otherwise. Right, 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 right. And what I also love about that story, Dory, to kind of connect it to kind of one of your other books is, as you say, the power that when you when you kind of publish the piece in, in the Harvard Business Review, you got approached and that is the power of standing out, right? That's the power of exposure. That's right. Yeah. So, so what I'm kind of curious around is, and I'm kind of jumping all over the place here. I recognize, but you know, a, a lot of uh, a lot of the people we we uh, we work with, a lot of our audience are people who are creatives, who are visionaries, who are wanting to do do good stuff, but maybe they feel like they exist in the crowded marketplace, or you know, there's just that feeling of it's all been done before. So, what are your tips to help people kind of begin to stand out as it were yeah so i actually have uh, have written about this a lot as you can imagine uh my yeah, yeah, my, yeah. my second book was called stand out how to find your breakthrough idea and build a following around it and as i researched the book and then developed actually an online course based on it um mm. afterwards called recognized expert i have really developed a, a methodology about this um okay. where after looking at hundreds of very successful thought leaders, what I have come to realize is that if you want to stand out and become a recognized expert in your field, there are three key components. There are three levers that you need to to move. And the trick is you actually need to do all three. Um, This, uh, where a lot of people fall short, in fact, and and people can get so frustrated, understandably, uh, because they might be really good at two of these, but if one is substandard, it is still going to hold you back. And so the the three things are content creation, social proof, and your network. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Mm, Content creation at a a very basic level, this is kind of intuitive once you say it, but (laughs) but a lot (laughs) of people, you know, you have to make it explicit. If you want to be known for your ideas, you have to share your ideas. 
period. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds so simple, doesn't it? (laughs) It does. It does. And yet, I, you know, sometimes people just kind of imagine they'll just be discovered. But, but the the truth is, of course, um, if you want people to be like, oh wow, you know, she's so smart, she's amazing, she's doing amazing work, you have got to make sure that you are somehow providing people with a way to have access to how you're thinking about things. And so, content creation, whether that's in the form of blogging or writing a book or giving speeches or doing a podcast something. You've got Mm. to find a way to get your ideas out there. Uh, Number two is social proof. And that is essentially, uh, it's a term from from social psychology. It means what is your credibility? Why should people listen to you? There's a lot of people out there. What is it in your background that you are conveying to people right up front so that they know, oh, this person's credible. I should listen to this person. And you could get it from a lot of places. Um, it could be that you are blogging for a publication that people have heard of. It could be that you have a uh, leadership position in a professional association. Just something so that it's not like, oh, that's Joe off the street. Yeah. And then finally, of course, is your network. Uh, because if you're doing all these things, you know, you could have you could have great content, you could have great social proof. But if you're doing it all in isolation and you're, you know, in your hermit cave and you don't know anyone, <laughs> odds are the word is not going to spread about who you are and and what you're capable of. You need to be building a network so that people can be talking about you, promoting you, uh, et cetera, be your ambassadors in the world. So those three categories are really important. And I'll actually just mention too, something I'm I'm quite proud of over the Mm. past year that I developed is um, I actually um, working with my recognized expert community that I've developed around the online course, I uh, developed this very detailed scored self-assessment um, that enables people. It's, it's like, it's kind of a quiz that people can take that allows you to score yourself on where you are in the process of becoming a recognized expert. And it actually oh. helps you determine which areas, which of these three areas you're strongest in and which you're weakest in, and therefore what your next move should be. And uh, if people Excellent. would like to get a free copy of it, they can just go to doryclark.com. It's D-O-R-I-E-C-L-A-R-K.com slash toolkit, T-O-O-L-K-I-T. Uh, again, doryclark.com slash toolkit, and they can they can download their free uh, self-assessment. Awesome, awesome. And I'll make sure, obviously, the uh, the link is in the show notes as well. Great. Obviously. That's fantastic. That's absolutely fantastic. So, so I love love those three elements, and they they kind of uh, kind of quite clear as it were. One, one of the questions I, I would have around, say, the network is, um, you know, some of our some of our audience are how should we put this on the, the on the introverted side of the spectrum rather than the extroverted side of the spectrum and i think a lot of people when they, when they hear the word network or networking assuming you know it's an extrovert's world and that kind of thing so what what might you what advice might you give for those introverts that are out there for developing the network sure and this is something that that i've thought about a lot because i'm an introvert you know i okay uh, yeah, I, I I think, you know, sometimes people assume that that couldn't possibly be the case if you have a business where, you know, you're doing things like whatever, speaking on podcasts or giving talks or things like that. But, you know, fund, fundamentally, as, as people know, perhaps who have looked into it, introvert and extrovert really only refers to one thing, which is where 
do you get your energy from? Do you right. get your energy from interacting with other people or do you, do you get it, do you kind of recharge by being by yourself? And it doesn't have any bearing on how good of a job you do when you are interacting with people. It's just a question of what your recovery mechanism is. And so for me, you know, I, I do have a business where I, I go hard. I mean, I'm doing, Krish, seven interviews today. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, you know, book launch, man. I'm just, I just launched my new book, Entrepreneurial You. So, uh, so you got you to gotta get it out there. But does that, does that take a toll? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think the key is, number one, making sure that you learn to pace yourself properly. And so for me, um, it just... It just involves knowing my limits in a lot of ways. Um, so, for instance, if I'm at a conference, a lot of times, I mean, God bless them, uh, I'll, I'll get hired. You know, the, jo- the job that I'm meant to do is, let's say, give a keynote talk. But yeah. then the organizer will reach out and they'll be like, oh, hey, we're having a dinner the night before. We're having a cocktail party after. We're doing this and this. Would you like to come? And of course, they're, they're being so sweet and so gracious because they want to include me in this thing. And it's the kind of thing where you feel like, oh, that would be so nice. Like, it's very thoughtful mm. of them to interview you. And, oh, well, I guess it would be good to, you know, to meet these people. And I'm sure they'd appreciate me doing it, um, you know, et cetera. But I, I've just learned that, yeah, even though it would be nice, it, it would be damaging in the long term because – I need, I need the recovery period. I need to be by myself to balance it out so that I can do a good job at the thing that they're paying me for, which is the speed. So I have just had to learn to graciously say no to that. But I think, you know, the, the other piece that I really stress in my writing and I've, I've written about this quite a bit. I, in fact, I've done a couple of articles for the Harvard business review. One is called personal branding for introverts. Another is called networking for introverts. If people are interested, they could just Google those phrases and Harvard Business Review and my name, Dory Clark, and you can get the articles for free. Um, But I think the the key point there is that there's a little bit of a cultural confusion about networking, because when people hear networking, what comes to mind almost always is a so-called uh, networking event. Meaning, right, right, right. That is, that is almost always like some big ballroom with like 500 people and, you know, little, little past appetizers and you're talking <laughs> to a bunch of strangers. And right. I mean, some people might like those things, perhaps. I don't know. I hate them. I think they're horrifying. And uh, <laughs> I'm right there with you on that. <laughs> Yeah. And so anyway, I just, I, you know, a really liberating decision that I made a while ago was just, I decided I'm not going to do that anymore. Nope. Not ever. Ha. It felt so great. (laughs) Now, I think the trick though, is you can't just say, I'm not going to do that. And therefore I'm never going to network. You have to find a method of networking that works well for you. And so in my case, what I decided is, okay, the parts that I don't like about that, I don't like going into a room with a bunch of strangers and I don't know anyone and it's like, hey, let's make awkward small talk. I like smaller gatherings. That feels better to me. And so I decided that I would start um, either either going to, if I got an invitation or more to the point, hosting uh, small dinner gatherings of let's say six to 10 people. And that would be my kind of key networking driver. And uh, that, that has worked really well. It's been, you know, comfortable for me and and fun you know they're they're nice social events because i have constructed them the way that i would like them to be so that's the kind of thing that i would suggest for people 
being very strategic. I love that. I absolutely <laughs> love that. So talking about doing things on your own terms and that kind of thing. I mean, obviously, you're kind of a bit of an, ex- an expert in self-reinvention here, making changes, that kind of thing. A lot of the people we find are a lot of the people we we work with and talk to are kind of almost on that that precipice of change as it were there's that that kind of sense of something's not right or I'd like to make a career change or I'd like to maybe start a business but I don't know how to start as it were yeah so what is how how do people start that kind of that sense of the 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 reinvention process if you like yeah, so you know, I'm a I'm a big believer in taking taking decisive action soon, but it can be very small action. That's that's the thing. I, I think what holds a lot of people back is that they assume that if they are going to be making some kind of a change, that it has to be, you know, the the bold, you know, jump off a pier kind of change. And they're like, oh man, well, I'm just not ready for that. And so if they assume it has to be all or nothing, they're like, well, it can't be all. So clearly it'll just have to be nothing for a while. And then they, right. and then they just like sit for 10 years and don't do it. <laughs> right. So I really want to change that framework because the thing is you can start today. You should start today, but you do little micro steps and it gets you ready. And so one of my favorite examples of this, this is a, actually a story that I tell in my first book, Reinventing You, is about a woman named Patricia Fripp. And she uh, she actually started her career. She's, she's British, as a matter of fact, but she started okay. her career uh, in San Francisco as a hairdresser. And okay. I love it. I love it because it's just, you know, sort of so counterintuitive. So she was this hairdresser in San Francisco. And a lot of her clients, it turned out, she worked in, in downtown. So she had a lot of clients that were corporate executives at some of the big firms in the city, mm. like, you know, Levi Strauss or Wells Fargo or whatever. Yep. And so she kind of immersed herself in this in this kind of corporate world. Like, you know, she, she said that she would listen to the other hairdressers and they'd be talking to their clients about just like really stupid things, you know, la, 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 you know, what movies do you watch? <laughs> and she was like, I have all of these incredibly smart, knowledgeable people sitting in my chair for half an hour. Like, why don't I take advantage of that? So she was always peppering them with questions about like, so if you were a hairdresser, how would you improve your business? <laughs> I love it. How amazing is that? Yeah, she was brilliant. And she decided along the way, she got really interested in the idea of public speaking. And so she had a 10-year lease on her hair salon. And she said, you know what? Great. That's my runway. And so for 10 years, super methodically, she started booking more and more speaking engagements. And, you know, as you can imagine, at first, they're free. Nobody knows who she is. Nobody wants to pay her to speak. She does these free speaking engagements. Over time, she eventually gets to where, okay, they're low-paid speaking engagements. Um, But everything that she earns... Uh, from the speaking business, she reinvests because, you know, she's earning her income from the salon. So anything from speaking, she reinvests. So she's able to pay for, you know, a nice website, nice materials, um, a really good speaker video. She pays for coaching for herself. So she gets really good. At the end of the 10 years, she is ready. She shuts down her salon. She does not renew her lease. She never looks back because by that point, she had more than replaced her salon income with the income that she was making as a professional speaker. You know, I, I look at that and not everybody can or wants to do a 10-year runway, but you know what? You can certainly do a one-year runway, a two-year runway and and make make it a smooth transition rather than just, you know, wishing and hoping and saying, oh my gosh, I don't know. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a there's a lot here, isn't there, around I think, you know, we see a see a lot of people in the world kind of it's it's almost easy in this world to feel like life is happening to you. And there's a yeah. real thing here about taking that sense of control back inside even if that 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 kind of initial decision is i'm just going to do something in the right direction exactly yeah i mean anyone today can whatever sign up for a you know an online course or start reading a book a week on the thing that you're interested in or reach out and start doing some informational interviews i mean there's a, there's a lot of options of things that you can start doing that that are not quit your job <laughs> right 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 so so talking uh talking of that kind of mindset thing one of the things i'm really interested in with you is is that is the some of the ideas in your new book uh and this this kind of whole thing about being an entrepreneur even if it's not about starting your own business that kind of thing so can you kind of give us some kind of a high level overview of kind of some of the the ideas in in this in your new book please yeah, absolutely. So the new book is, is called Entrepreneurial You, um, Monetize Your Expertise, Create Multiple Income Streams, and Thrive. And the, the goal of, of this book really is uh, it's aimed at, at two types of people. One is people who are already entrepreneurs and, you know, they may, they may have gotten a you know, good business going, um, be doing well, but as is the case with a lot of entrepreneurs, we often earn our livings by running ourselves into the ground, just yes. working 80 hours a week, just, you know, trading time for dollars, doing, doing all the things. And you feel like, okay, you want to earn more money, but you just, you're almost at the end of your rope. And so this is a book about ways to really diversify your income streams, including creating more passive income, ways to leverage yourself more strategically. And mm. so I interviewed more than 50 very high six, seven, and eight-figure entrepreneurs about very specifically what is their business model, how are they earning money, how did they get to that place, what does it look like to create new income streams so that people mm. can begin to, to kind of look at the smorgasbord and say, well, maybe that could actually work for me and think about ways that, that they can adopt it and, and bring it into their own businesses. And the other, the secondary audience is people who might have a day job, they might love their day job, they might want yep. to stay in there forever. But if you want to create more career security for yourself, you know, sort of your just in case fund. Yep. Uh, and, you know, also maybe have have a little more adventure, you know, do something cool, do something interesting, that can teach you new things, uh, give you access to networks of people you might not otherwise have the chance to meet. Mm. These are people that I am encouraging to start a sideline, you know, just, you know, create one uh, new income stream for yourself, whatever it is. Maybe it's starting a podcast, maybe it's starting a blog, maybe it's doing a little coaching on the side, whatever. But, but starting down that path just gives you optionality, which is something that in today's society, I think, is, is really valuable and really crucial. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that being the case, let, let, let's take that, that, that first group of people, first of all. Uh, I mean, clearly, if you've interviewed 50 plus people, all super successful, what are maybe one or, one or two kind of ideas that really spoke to you as a person in terms of what's worked for people yeah there's there's 
so many great stories in there. And I, I think that readers will probably all take different things from it that, uh, that are speaking to them where, based on where they're at. But I can tell you, Krish, that um, one of the reasons for me in writing this book, I, I, had, I had my own agenda. <laughs> yeah, uh, of course. Yes. And so something that was, that was very interesting for me was I, for the past few years, had been thinking about creating an online course and I really wanted to learn more about it, but I also didn't want to make stupid mistakes. You know, I had, I had heard stories where people had spent huge amounts of money launching an online course, and then they put it out there and uh, no one wanted it. And, you know, that, that just right. seemed like so depressing, such a waste. And, and so I thought, all right, if I'm going to do something like that, I want to do it right. I want to, I want to really understand how this process works. And so that among you know some other potential income streams, that was that was one that was top of mind for me. That I thought, you know, I'd like to research mm. this more. And so, frankly, writing the book gave me a really good excuse to spend you know an hour or more asking questions to all of these really top smart thinkers, and that was uh, that was very valuable for me. And and so I decided in the course of writing Entrepreneurial You that. And, and I, I recount my adventures in the book as well. Um, I was going to make myself the first guinea pig for it. And oh, I love that. Yeah. So in January and February of 2016, that was when I did all the interviews. I packed them in um, and you know did all these interviews in a couple of months. And then I spent the rest of the year a writing the book, but B experimenting with uh, with different activities and revenue models to see what would work and to uh, to try things out and, and to write about those experiences. So one of the things that for me has been both a, a very meaningful experience in terms of the the community that's been created, but also a very financially successful one, is that I did end up launching an online course, the uh, the recognized expert course that I was alluding to. Mm. In April of that year, I did a pilot of it. And then in September of 2016, I launched the first full iteration of the of the course. And so at this point now, about 150 people have been through the course. We have this great, you know, very lively, well-connected community of professionals awesome. that are that are all working to become recognized experts in their field. But you know, if if we want to talk dollars and cents, something that was very powerful me and my business was that as a result, strictly of applying the techniques that I learned about in the course of, of researching and writing Entrepreneurial U, I was able to add $193,000 to my bottom line in 2016 as compared wow. to 2015. Um, so yeah, nearly, nearly $200,000 more than the previous year. Well, no, you you certainly can't sniff at that, can you? That's that's a great little <laughs> success story. And uh, talk talk about uh, kind of social proof, as it were. That's that's uh, that's some proof. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I re I really wanted to to be trying this out because I, you know, of course, I was interviewing people who were very knowledgeable and successful, and all of these uh, these techniques that they talked about were things that had worked for them. But I figured, you know, the best uh, the best way to really show people okay, this, this can work, you know, this, uh, you know, this, this is a valid possibility to consider was to experiment and play around with it myself and, uh, and let people see uh, what, you know, what the, the foibles were and what the successes were. And so uh, that was something that I, I, I that, that level of transparency was something that I was very committed to doing. 
That's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. I love that. Talk about um, learning from 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 your own journey. That's 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 wonderful. Um, so take, taking this this um, entrepreneurial mindset further, and you know, actually, kind of for those people that might do a side hustle as well. Um, in terms of that mindset again, and like that getting over that uh, that initial hurdle, if someone was going to do a side hustle, for example, that second audience that you spoke about, what would be the the first three steps that, that they might take to to start to do that? Yeah. So if if we were if we were talking about you know very early steps for people wanting to to get going for this. I think a good starting place, of course, is uh, is settling on what exactly you would do. <laughs> yep, always uh, useful. Yeah, yeah, precisely. And so I actually have a story that I tell in Entrepreneurial You that I feel like speaks to this in a lot of ways. Um, one of the things that, that you get, again, you got to get comfortable with in, in the entrepreneurial world is that not everything is going to work the first time. You got to be open to kind of experimenting and, and figuring things out. And especially, it's it's really valuable um, in the book. I, I try to tell the stories of failures so that people can learn from them, so that they don't they don't have to go through it literally themselves. Mm. And uh, and so a great failure story that I tell, uh, which actually then leads to a success, is about a guy named Bozy Dar, who uh, he's okay. born in Serbia. He lives in the U.S. now, and he had this idea originally. Now, this is this is a guy who has a full-time day job, very successful uh, day job at a uh, large life sciences company. And okay. he, though, was really interested in entrepreneurship and got into the idea of apps. And he's like, you know, I'm going to create an app. That's what I'm going to do. And okay. so he he had this concept and he paid a lot of money to have uh, to have it developed and launched and everything. And unfortunately, it just went nowhere. Like he thought it was great and no one else noticed. Oh, no one else wow. cared. And it was really depressing. Um, but, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like the worst. That's, that's what, that's what keeps people from doing entrepreneurial side ventures. And right. Right. Stuff like that. But, you know, after he had thought about it for a while and, you know, and been, been depressed, you know, kind of gone through all those stages, he, he realized something, he realized something really important, which was a, a life lesson that certainly is imprinted on him. But, but fortunately, I think, uh, hope, hopefully in hearing it and reading about it in Entrepreneurial U, other people can take it in and learn it by proxy so they don't mm. have to do it themselves. And that is his big mistake was that he thought it was a great idea, but he had never even talked to potential customers. He had never talked to other people that might actually be buyers of this app to see if they wanted it, if they needed it, if they thought it was a good idea. And he, he realized like, oh, you know, that's, that's the problem, obviously. He, he made a guess and it was a wrong guess. And so right. time passes and mm-hmm. he looks at, you know, he's still interested in entrepreneurship, but he's a little gun shy. But he realized that there actually was a clue for him. Because something that was going really right in his life was that he was getting promoted like crazy at work. He was very successful in his day job and was constantly getting promoted faster than normal. And so people started to notice and they started to say, you know, hey, like, what are you doing? What's your secret? Can I take you to coffee? Can I take you to lunch? I want to I want to understand what you're doing. And so, you know, he did this at first, but then he started to get enough enough uh, questions and comments that he realized like, oh, 
A, I actually am pretty good at this. Mm. And B, people are interested. Like I'm getting a lot of people raising their hands and saying like, teach me this. This is interesting. So he Uh. thought, you know what? You know, it was the same thing for me when I got those literary agents approaching me about, hey, do you want to write a book? It's like, oh, this is what it feels like when people (laughs) care. (laughs) Right, 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 right. And so his next step then was he developed an online course and it was an online course about how to get promoted faster at work. Um, the thing he was really good at this, this one was successful out of the gate. And in his first full year that he offered it, his first full calendar year, he brought in $106,000 on the side from his online course. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that I think that's, that's really the key is to not speculate about this thing that would be cool, but to actually look at what people are already coming to you for. What are, what are your friends already asking you about? What in your, in your circle of friends, what do people already consider you to be really good at? And use that as a starting place and as a clue to think about where you might take it. Right. That's a, a one, and it's kind of literally just building from where you are, isn't it? As opposed to having to go out, form a whole new set of skills, or buy a franchise, or whatever other entrepreneurial things people do. It starts yeah. from, from right where you are. That's amazing. So, so just to, just to kind of begin to wrap things, as well, I just I just want to draw the the spotlight back to you, if I may, just for a couple of minutes, story. And uh, I'm kind of curious around kind of your own on, entrepreneurial. Uh, entrepreneurship and kind of heroes that kind of thing so first of all I'm just kind of wondering who are your inspirations you spoke to some great people I'm sure you've you've met some great people who are your inspirations aha uh-huh, yeah thank you I mean certainly there were many people that uh that were just folks that I admired that I was fortunate enough to be able to interview in Entrepreneurial You and also in in some of my other books. Um, someone that, uh, that you know, when I, when I think about folks that I admire who have made an impact on my entrepreneurial journey, uh, someone that I think about is uh, Robert Cialdini. He's the uh, author yeah. of uh, the book that some of your listeners may be familiar with, Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion, which is really one of the all-time great uh, books Absolutely. about business psychology. And he is not featured in Entrepreneurial You, but he, but I actually I wrote about him in both of my previous two books, Reinventing You and Stand Out, um, and, and shared some of his wisdom about how you can reinvent yourself, how you can rebrand yourself into becoming an expert in your field. Uh, so he's, he's somebody that I, I think uh, has really done powerful and profound work. Absolutely. And he is a, a very, very, very well known. I'm, I'm sure many of the Mavericks do know about him. Um, kind of shifting into kind of how you work now and in, in, in your business. Work. When you uh, when you're going through your your day-to-day life as it were as you say you've got seven interviews to do today and what kind what do you do to stay on top of everything and to kind of stay productive and what kind of practices and tips do you use on a daily basis (laughs) well i mean in a very i can i can answer it literally and then i can answer it you know more broadly in a really literal sense um probably the best the best thing that i spend money on like all year 
is uh, I think I spend I think it's one hundred and seventy nine dollars I spend for a subscription to uh, this online scheduling tool called Schedule Once, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. And it is so great because if you if you have a lot of meetings and a lot of appointments, you you will just go down fast if you're going back and forth and trying to manually schedule things. It's horrible. Um, Schedule Once just you know it fills up the block. It's great. My life hack secret though is that the default is, you know, anytime it's available on your calendar, people can just nab and that'll kill your productivity. So what you really need to do is be conscious about which times, about picking which days uh, you allow times to be grabbed off of so that um, what I what I try to do, and, and I actually created a, uh, a shorter online course, I call it a masterclass called Be More Productive, and I talk about my productivity methodology, but one of the cornerstones of that is based off of an essay that was written by a Silicon Valley thinker named Paul Graham. Um, I try, when I'm not doing insane book tour related things, uh, in my normal life, I try to balance out my weekly schedule with so-called manager days and maker days. And the manager days are the days where I just, I have, you know, kind of back-to-back meetings, essentially, you know, phone calls, interviews, meetings, all this stuff. But then on the maker days, I literally just leave my calendar entirely blank. And it allows me to do more in-depth creative work that I need to do on longer term important projects that would otherwise be very hard to do if I was trying to do it all in half hour increments. Um, So that balance enables me to be pretty productive. I love that. I love that. Okay. So just just to, to round things off, as it were, and this is the question I always finish with, which is, what is uh, one question that you would like to be asked that you haven't been asked that would allow you to kind of share your view of success, as it were? And what's your answer to that question? <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I feel like um, I... I, there, there's, there's not one particular question per se that I wish people would ask me because my, my view of podcasts and things like that is that it is, it is the host's game. You know, it's, it's their, it's their universe that they are creating and they are inviting me into their universe. And so wherever they want to take it, I feel totally happy to participate in that. So it's not really like I have a particular agenda that I want to advance. Um, that being said, something that I always like talking about is animals. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yes. Because I'm a big, I'm a big pet person. I'm a big animal uh, person. And I think that, uh, you know, we get a little, we get a little human centric sometimes in, uh, in, you know, how we live our lives and, you know, just all the status consciousness and things that people worry about on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, where am I in the pecking order and who likes me and who doesn't, and how does this look? And I think that animals, a, you know, they give you this amazing unconditional love uh, and I think that they can help remind you not to take yourself so seriously, which is important. And B, um, I think that it really, uh, if, if done right, if you really, you know, kind of think about things from the animal's perspective, you come to, to realize that a lot of the ways that we structure our life in modern society, you know, notably factory farming and things like that, mm. are just this complete abomination that uh that that really i think is is contrary to literally almost everyone's values if we just took a minute to look at that and so if we can rejigger our morality a little bit to become a little bit more 
humane, uh, I, I think that that would be a useful thing for all of us. Awesome. Awesome. And I couldn't agree with you more, to be honest. That's awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Dory Mavericks. I'm sure you will agree there has been some amazing wisdom shared here by, by Dory Clark. Uh, thank you so much for your time today, Dory. It's been a pleasure having you to, here today. Krish, thank you so much. Uh, it's, it's so great to be talking with you and have a chance to, uh, to talk to your audience a little bit more about the ideas and entrepreneurial you. And uh, I'll just quickly mention, if folks are interested in thinking more about how to apply the idea of creating multiple income streams in their own business, I actually have a, uh, a, a self-assessment workbook specifically uh, about the concepts in Entrepreneurial U. And folks can, can download that. It's 88 questions to ask yourself about how to improve your own business models. Uh, and folks can get it for free at doryclark.com entrepreneur. Awesome. I will make sure, of course, that all the links we've spoken about today, the the HBR uh, articles and all that kind of thing are in the show notes. There's been so many great things you've shared today. Dory, you've been so generous. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Chris. You're welcome. And Mavericks, we'll see you for the next podcast. Bye for now. Hey, listen up. Don't go yet. Did you get something meaningful out of this episode? Well, the most meaningful thing that you can do right now is to go and leave a review on iTunes because those reviews are what keep us here. And please make sure to share and to subscribe to this podcast. Finally, are you unleashing your superpowers? Well, if so, show us on Instagram with the hashtag Mavericks Unlimited and we'll see you over there. And with that, thanks so much for listening to the Mavericks Unlimited podcast at mavericksunlimited.com. Bye for now.